Some of you may not have gone through that. You didn't have to. You're not as hard-headed and stiff-necked as I was. God got to you before you hit face, dirt, face down the dirt. But that's where I ended up before I got saved. But Saul is beyond just being a sinner. He is violent toward Christians. And so that should make us pause whenever we look at some of the people we know and we write them off. They may be really bad sinners, but most I don't think anybody we know is actually violently attacking Christians. I mean, that's pretty low. <laughs> but here he is. Just think about that. So this guy's breathing threatenings and slaughter, and he says he went unto the high priest. Saul had access to the highest offices in Israel. So, you know, I was kind of like the Garth Brooks song, you know, I got friends in low places. Saul was the opposite. Because of his violence, he was rewarded. He had friends in high places. High priest. That's the highest office in Israel. So then verse 2 says, And he desired of him letters to Damascus to the synagogues. Why? At this point we're in transition. The believers are still meeting in synagogues. And they get in the synagogue and they're talking about Isaiah 53, and Psalm 22, and the other Messianic prophecies. You want to see them? But we got a list of a hundred of them here on the wall. Fulfilled in Jesus Christ. And they would get together in the synagogues and they would look at their scrolls. And they'd say, well, Jesus fulfilled that one. And Jesus, look how Jesus fulfilled this one. And Saul wanted to put it, he did, couldn't refute what they were saying. He wanted to silence them. Does that sound familiar? Same spirit that's behind the leftists today who want to shut you down, get you fired, get you canceled, get you thrown in prison. Same spirit. Saul had an antichrist ministry bent on the destruction of the church of Jesus Christ. Hey Amen. When I was a sinner, I was a bad guy, but I wasn't trying to shut down the church and get them all locked up or killed. I was out doing my own thing. That's one of the things I can't understand about these leftists today. Get a life, man. If you don't like God, you hate God, and you hate your country, all right, fine. Go off and get high somewhere. Leave the rest of us alone. Amen? Amen. But all these leftists today, they... They don't party hardly at all. They spend all their time in politics and all their time trying to take over school boards and read dirty books and sit with men dressed up as women in public libraries and all that kind of thing. I don't get it. Man, when I was, I was lost in sin, I just wanted to go off and party. There's something really weird about what's going on today. It's the same spirit we're seeing there in Saul. So then what happens? He meets Jesus. That's what changed me. Amen? Change you? Verse 3, As he journeyed, he came near Damascus. Uh, that's in modern Syria. So you can see when you hear talk about Syria and Israel, and you hear about the United States been bombing some of the Iranian proxy uh, warriors and uh, militias over there in Syria. It's not far from Israel. It's all part of the Gog Magog setup. But he's going toward Damascus. He's like a wolf on the prowl at this point. Later, he will warn us about wolves. But at this point, he is the wolf. And if you look on a map from Jerusalem, where he left, to get up to Damascus, it would be like walking from Columbus to Cincinnati. 
So just so we can all understand what we're talking about here, I want you to experience the Bible. Next Saturday, we're going to meet at 6 o'clock in the morning, and we're going to walk to Cincinnati, and then cross the river and see the ark, uh, Ken Ham's ark down there. How many, let's get a, raise your hand if you're willing to do that. There's seven or eight insane people in the building. <laughs> I mean, Sean, you probably ride your bike that far, maybe? I've biked from here to Cincinnati as well yeah. as the Cleveland. Yeah. So. Had you ever thought about walking it? Uh, I have once, <laughs> and I decided no within oh. five <laughs> Very wise. Especially at our age. So he's on his way there. It's a long walk, and suddenly there shined round about him a light from heaven. Now, you got to be real careful about these things. You know that's how Islam started. Muhammad claimed to have had similar experience. Uh, but I'll let you in on a secret. That's why he told that story. He plagiarized the Bible all the time in the Quran, and he got a lot of it wrong. So that's how we know he plagiarized, because he not only plagiarized, but he got it wrong. But Joseph Smith did the same thing. He's out in the woods somewhere in New York, and Moroni is supposed to show up and give him the Book of Mormon. Again, that theological term, hogwash. Just false religion. But it says, he fell to the earth and heard a voice. I want to tell you this. Some of you think you're not spiritually right with God because you're not hearing voices. This isn't the kind of thing that you hear. You'll hear other Christians say, well, the Lord told me... Or, uh, you know, like Benny Hinn and Rob, Pat Robertson are on there and saying, Oh, the Holy Spirit is telling me, give me your money. You know. <laughs> but what happens is, as a Christian, especially if you're like me and a lot of my other Christian friends, we don't do a lot of deep thought. And we're not really conscious of ourselves and life. And then we get saved and suddenly we're reading the Bible. We become clear-minded, and then we have a thought, and we're like, who said that? <laughs> and then, so a lot of Christians, well-meaning Christians, I mean, some of the great preachers through the years, I've heard him say it, like Lester Roloff, I hear him say it all the time. And sadly, what they don't realize is they make other Christians think that they're like not really that spiritual because they're honest with themselves, and they know that what they're thinking is thoughts. And they don't go around telling everybody, well, the Lord told me this. So, I don't go around trying to straighten everybody out, but I just try to educate the, the mass majority of Christians who don't go around saying that stuff. Don't think there's something wrong with you because you're not hearing someone say, you know, pecan. Yeah, pecan. You know, it's just that's your own thoughts. <laughs> but there's times, though, where because you're in. Walking in the Spirit, as the Bible says, and you believe the Word of God, then there's times where you will be so sure of the hand of God. And there's nothing wrong with saying, you know, the Lord led me to do this. Or the Lord gave me this thought. See, see, there's just a little nuance there. And the reason I bring it up to your mind is because if you don't want to hurt other baby Christians and other Christians who just wonder about these things then just be honest and don't talk like you're some spiritual giant who hears God talking to you all the time. Because you're hurting people. 
And I've heard it among people here. And I love you enough to tell you the truth. You're hurting other people when you talk like that. There ain't no difference between you and me. I don't have a special, you know, earpiece. Yes, Lord. Doesn't work like that. But what you can do is get so full of God's Word, prayer, singing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, just full of the Spirit. And then when you do things, you'll have such clarity about what God wants you to do. And that's a wonderful place to be. The more you give up yourself to God and His will, and you live according to this book, you're going to have, first of all, you're going to get clarity of mind, getting all the drugs and everything out of your system, and it takes time. Just like if you have a cut, it takes time for that to heal. If you have a broken bone, it takes time to heal. The same thing's true in the spirit. So give yourself time. Give yourself time to have clarity of mind. But as you're doing that also, you take the medicine, you know, right here, the words of God, you take that in. And you, the Bible says, Thy word have I hid in mine heart, that I might not sin against thee. So actually try to memorize. Start with just one verse this week. Memorize a verse. John 3.16. Memorize it. Take any verse that really speaks to you at that moment and memorize that. You realize that just one a week and you'd have 52 verses by this time next year to memory. It's not that hard. It's just a matter of being consistent and putting forth the effort. That, then you've got God's Word and as you're living with the consciousness of His presence and you want to please Him. You work as unto the Lord. You live for His pleasure. You want to please Him. It's life transforming. And that's, back to our text, is what we're seeing here with Paul. Still called Saul. Except he's going to have a little different experience than the rest of us. He's actually going to listen and hear the voice of Jesus audibly. And so I mention all that just so you don't get off thinking there's something wrong with you if this didn't happen to you. Saul heard the audible voice of Jesus. It says, And heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? Now think about that. Who is Saul persecuting? Christian. I, I meant to say, how could Saul be persecuting Jesus? Jesus said, Saul, why persecutest thou me? He didn't say, why are you persecuting my followers? Why are you persecuting those Christians? He said, why persecutest thou them? That's a very important truth for us to grasp. Saul was persecuting the followers of Christ. Who are they? The body of Christ. The body of Christ. As, as a body, you know, Paul later will teach us that if one of you hurts, all, all of us hurt. Why? Because we're a body. And we all have our part in the functioning of that body. But at the same time, when the world comes against one of you or some of you, it's coming against all of us. It's coming against Jesus. Jesus Himself said, when men hate you, it's not you they hate, it's me. It's Christ in you that they hate. And that helps us not lash out and attack back when it comes to people you know, at least not saying you don't speak and you don't get firm with them, but you, you don't just start attacking and everything because you understand they don't, it's not, don't take it personal, it's not really you, it's, it's Jesus in you. Now, there's something you need to understand 
Hyper-dispensational false teachers deny that the body of Christ existed before God revealed it. And that's, some of you may have trouble wrapping your brains around this, especially if you've never been confronted with it. But there are teachers out there that will try to tell you, and they build on this. This is one false thing, they add other false things, and you end up totally, these people end up quitting churches, going off to the little groups, separating themselves from other Christians because they think you're stupid, you're ignorant. Why? Because they believe that until God gave the revelation of the mystery of the body of Christ, it didn't exist. It's, kind of, it's just kind of like this. You have a baby, and the nurse comes in and says, what are, what are we going to name the baby? And you say, can I have some time to think about it? And I've heard of people waiting weeks. Now, let me ask you a question. Does the baby exist? Yes. He gets his name later, or her name. Let's say it's Charlie. And let's say Jenny had Charlie and waited a week before she named him. He existed that entire week. It was only later that his name was revealed. That's the same thing with the body of Christ. We are seeing the beginnings of the body of Christ here. It, all the mysteries and all the truths related to that, they come later when Paul himself will write those letters. So keep all of that in mind. The revelation of the mysteries followed the establishment of the mysteries. That'll save you from being taken off track. Saul was persecuting Jesus because he was persecuting the body of Christ. Is that clear? So then verse 5. And he said, Who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus whom thou persecutest. It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. So you can see from that, Jesus is basically saying, Saul knew before this even happened. It was somewhere back here, and Saul wasn't allowing it to really present itself consciously. He wasn't allowing himself to confront the reality. Folks, that's the people that you're witnessing to. They can act like they don't care about Jesus. They can act like they don't even accept the premise that they're a sinner, it's going to hell. They can pretend that they don't believe in the death, burial, and resurrection. Keep preaching the gospel because they know. And when judgment day comes, those who don't get saved, it'll be revealed that they knew all along. That's why the Bible says a fool hath said in his heart there is no God because they know there's a God in here, but they've turned their heart against God. And that's only something a fool would do. I am Jesus. It's like he, called, he says Lord before he even asks the question. That's why Jesus says it is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. What's that mean? He's already being pricked in his conscience. So Jesus knows that Saul knows who he is resisting at this time. And that's, I think that's a very important point if you want to understand our text. And now we see repentance. Look at verse 6. Not the word repentance. Again, people are silly, so they say, well, the word isn't there. It doesn't matter whether the word's there, the demonstration of it is there. Verse 6. And he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, <laughs> what wilt thou have me to do? That's an act of repentance right there. He just told him he's Jesus, and what does Paul say? Paul says Jesus is Lord. 
he's calling Jesus his Lord. What will they have me do? So look at 1 Corinthians 12.3. We're going to look at Paul's own writings by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, but Paul's pen, or Paul dictated most of these and had them written on his behalf. And in uh, 1 Corinthians 12, look what Paul himself will give us in verse 3. If you dare read it. Wherefore, I give you to understand that no man speaking by the Spirit of God calleth Jesus accursed, and that no man can say that Jesus is the Lord, but by the Holy Ghost. Paul has, right there, received the Holy Ghost. Amen. That's why he called Jesus Lord. Right there in our text. There was no altar call. I see that hand. Come to me. Embrace me. That's how churches pitch it these days. And a lot of people just get emotional and go down the aisle. There's nothing like that in the Bible. Right there where you sit. Stop playing games with God. If you haven't believed on Jesus Christ, do so right now. You don't have to wait to the end in some altar call. Read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Jesus would just preach the truth and say, Believe! See ya. <laughs> That's all he did. He didn't put on these big shows and elaborate. Let's get the music going. and get the, Let's dim the lights. Everybody get... That's just a bunch of games being played. That's not spirit. That's carnal. It's playing on your emotions. There was no sinner's prayer. Jesus didn't say, Saul... If you really believe, bow your head and say these words. Amen? Amen? I'm not saying if you did that, you're going to hell. I'm saying that that's like extracurricular. What saved you is the moment you believed. That moment you believed you received the Holy Spirit because you are receiving Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Amen. Man is always messing everything up. It's a matter of heart and of confession. And of course, this is part of the Romans road and if it's preached and taught right there's nothing wrong with the Romans road but Romans 10 9 and 10 great memory verses to put on your list by the way and what's it say in Romans 10 9 and 10 if you're there verse 9 read it that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead thou shalt be saved. Why would Paul write that? Well first of all the Holy Spirit's moving him to write it but he wouldn't move Paul to write something he didn't believe. Paul lived it. And we just read it in Acts 9. That's exactly what we're reading in Acts 9. Paul confessed with his mouth the Lord Jesus he believed in his heart. If he didn't before, he does now. He believes Jesus rose from the dead because he's talking to him. <laughs> oh, verse 10. Go ahead and read verse 10 with me. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? Just like that, he's saved and now he's ready to get to work. Amen? That's the heart of repentance. Not works. Repentance is not works. But repentance results in a heart of service. A heart that desires to please God. That's what repentance looks like. And the Lord said unto him, 
Arise and go into the city, and it shall be told thee what thou must do. So not in order to be saved, but because Saul now is saved, he wants marching orders. I'm not telling you you're not saved, but I'm telling you you're not right if you're not asking God for your marching orders. If you're just saved and happy to go to heaven whenever it happens, and until then I'm just going to do whatever I want to do, that's not a right heart toward God. That shows a real problem with your level of repentance toward God. Paul wrote that, testifying both to the Jews and also to the Greeks, repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. Acts 20, 21. That's Paul himself lives it and preaches it the rest of his life. And that's what we see, the final thing there in Acts 9, verses 7 to 9, is Saul's obedience. Verse 7, And the men which journeyed with him stood speechless, hearing a voice, but seeing no man. Now, skeptics will accuse the Bible of a contradiction, because it says here um, that the men heard a voice, but seeing no man. Then you go to Acts 22, Paul retells the thing, and he says, And they that were with me saw indeed the light and were afraid, but they heard not the voice of him that spake to me. Uh, it's, it does kind of look like a contradiction at face value, but here's the answer. It's real simple. They heard, but did not understand what was actually said. So they heard a voice, but they didn't hear what the voice said. That's all there is to that. It happens all the time. Actually, John 12, 29. It says, the people, therefore, that stood by heard it when God the Father spoke from heaven. Said that it thundered. Others said an angel spoke to him, but they didn't know what he said. Same thing. So don't get hung up with these skeptics, but I just have to mention that. You'll come across it. Verses 8 and 9. And Saul arose from the earth, and when his eyes were opened, he saw no man. But they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. And he was three days without sight, and neither did eat nor drink. Saul is alone, blind, and fasting for three days. Now, he wasn't intermittent fasting and trying to lose weight. <coughs> this was, there's nothing sinful about that. I'm not saying you can't do that. But that's not what this is. He is fasting because he has understood this is a life-changing event. Uh, he knows nothing will ever be the same again. Imagine for three days him contemplating and thinking about the implications of what he's just experienced. And one of the first things he has to be thinking is, I was like the number one hitman for the Jews. I had access to the high priest who gave me these letters that I was bringing. And now... <laughs> I'm going to be on their number one on their target list. My whole world is turned upside down. Well, folks, to one extent or another, that should have happened to you when you got saved. Things I used to do, I don't do no more. Things that I used to do, I don't do no more. You know, people you hung around with, you couldn't hang around anymore. Places you went, you couldn't go anymore. Hey, there are a lot of people who had to quit the church they were going to. They realized it was apostate and fake. Amen. I can't answer that for you, but I ask you to do a little heart searching. Did you allow that repentance to really 
change your life the way it should have then because it's never too late. You be saved and have never really allowed that repentance that originally set in when you were saved. You may have never allowed that to take full effect. You can do that now. You can do that right now in your life. Start cleaning the house. Some of you need to get rid of some magazines or some stuff on your computer or your phone. Some of you need to get rid of some DVDs or files you have on your computer. Some of you really need to put some distance between you and so and so. But I can't answer those things for you and I wouldn't try. I'm not, my name's Greg Miller, not Holy Spirit. That's between you and the Lord. I know when I got saved, I had so many friends drop me like a hot potato. You start talking to Jesus about it, they don't want that. That's the tr I mean, yeah, you, you kind of have a, a self-cleaning life. If you really start preaching the gospel and living the way you ought to, you're all by like a self-cleaning oven. <laughs> they just start disappearing. But also, it ought to affect like the things you listen to, things you watch, things you talk about, all that, because it no longer is appetizing. You have the Spirit of God in you. You don't want that. Amen? Life as Saul knew it ended on the road to Damascus. If you haven't had your road to Damascus, even if you're saved, you need to have that road to Damascus experience. But the same thing's true for you as it was for Paul. The best was yet to come. <laughs> Sometimes we have to be still and be patient. That's why he's going to sit there for three days. And be still and patient. And wait on the Lord. We'll talk afterwards. I want to close in Isaiah 40. This is our closing reading. So, somebody fell asleep next to you, wake them up. I'm going to read this and close it up. Isaiah 40, 28 to 31. Prophet Isaiah. But it's just, I just thought, this, this is the text I thought of as I was thinking about our reading in Acts 9, how it ends in verse 9, with Saul spending three days blind and fasting. Verse 28, you read the odd verses, so I'll start in verse 28. Hast thou not known, hast thou not heard that the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, fainteth not, neither is weary, there is no searching of his understanding. He giveth power to the faint, and to them that have no might, he increaseth strength. Even the youths shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary, and they shall walk and not faint. Amen. Amen. Father, we thank you, Lord, for, well, thank you for saving Saul. And thank you for all that he did in obedience to your spirit that we are benefiting from just in the New Testament alone. Thank you for that spirit, the same spirit in Saul, once he would believed and became a believer, is the same spirit in each one of us who are saved this morning. And we just thank you so much for the promise that you've given us of a future home we're going to see jesus be in his presence and then we're going to see one another we're going to see saul now we will come to know as paul and we have just so much to look forward to now because of you all because of jesus so we pray in that precious name amen